Welcome to the podcast. Come be part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. pushed this button i can't hear it anymore uh, oh because i had to push that one too okay we're good i couldn't figure out why i couldn't hear the music when i pushed that button what's up carl delightful to have you with us today we're gonna talk about terrible wait a minute now i can't hear you we're gonna talk about <laughs> you're not plugged in it's not doing anything. carl carl can't hear you wow. i don't know is yours on switch that on Okay, try again. Hello? Ooh, now I'm like screaming in my own ear. So what are, are we just going to let that roll? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Comedian Next Door. Welcome to the Comedian Next Door. Now that I'm actually part of the conversation. I did my part. Mm. Yours wasn't turned off. I don't know why mine was turned off. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I want to talk about terrible shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what you've been thinking about lately. That's what I've been thinking about lately. I know you've been thinking about other stuff. Yeah. We can talk about your stuff too. No. I want to talk about... Everybody's sick of my stuff. Everybody's sick of your stuff and everybody's... See, the thing is that terrible shows are are what are the most interesting things. Mm -hmm. I've, I've talked about that many times, that when things go badly is when it's the most interesting and those are the stories that you want to talk about over and over again. I should start telling that to people when they call the book a show. Mm-hmm. I should say, maybe it'll be a terrible show. Hey, if we're lucky. <laughs> if we truck if we're lucky, it'll be a train wreck. Everything you know what you can bad. do? You can start giving advice for how to make the show more terrible because they might listen better. Yeah, there is a uh, uh, a certain technique that you can employ to take a show that would maybe be okay. And push it into the terrible category. I always tell them how they can make the show badly, go badly. But I usually frame it like, let's try not to do this stuff. And then they don't listen. Here's so. some things not to do. In a way, I do kind of set them up for that. Uh-huh. I give them handy tips, pointers, for, recommendations. For how that to they ruin. Ignore. Excuse me for a second. My children are fighting. Okay. Well, the reason I'm thinking about it, Carl, is because I did a couple of shows last week that were not... They were not sensational shows. They were bad. They were bad. But they were bad because of circumstances outside of my control. I need to be clear about that. There's a point where the competence level, my personal competence level, reached a uh, reached a point where I didn't, I don't very often mess up shows anymore. And it's just because I've done so many of them and I have so much material that's good material as long as I stay within the confines of that material, uh, if things are going badly, it's because of circumstances other than me. When I first started out and I started doing stand-up, I was not that good. So I had material. I had tech. I had uh, some little quirks that I did on stage. I had some mannerisms and some tics that 
distracted. And so it was possible to do a show and have it go badly because of, because of me, because I wasn't a very good comic, but I've developed some skills over the years. And now I can say with a certain level of confidence that if I'm doing a show and the show's not going well, it's not my fault. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. And that's not, you know, it's not really bragging because it's like when a, when a carpenter goes to drive a nail, the first, the first time a child picks up a hammer and tries to drive a nail, it's usually a disaster because it requires a sort of hand-eye coordination that they don't have yet. But if the child persists and continues to hammer nails Keep going. as he gets older, what Keep, are you doing? Keep talking. What are you doing? Silas is picking out a fruit pouch. It'll only be another 20 minutes. <laughs> Keep going. Silas is picking out a fruit pouch. Once a child develops a level of competence, he gets to be a junior high schooler, high schooler, uh, graduates from high school, becomes a a young adult, uh, becomes a journeyman carpenter. Then if the journeyman carpenter is hammering in nails and the structure is falling apart or the, the nails are bending or breaking or whatever, you can pretty much you can pretty much conclude that it's not because of the skill of the carpenter. It's not because of the skill of the person driving the nails because that person driving the nails has demonstrated that, that he is a competent nail driver. That's all I'm saying. So it's not like, it's not like I'm um, trying to convince you that I'm some superhuman special being who has these great powers because that's not true. What I have is a lot of practice. I have a lot of experience. I've done so many terrible shows that were my fault and made adjustments in my behavior and in my material to where now, when the show is terrible, it's not my fault. Keep going. It's not (laughs) because... She's running around. Why are you sharpening a pencil? What do you need that for? Emery needs a pencil. Emery needs a pencil? Okay, well, so all that to say that I did I did two bad shows this last week, and they were bad for uh, several reasons. There, there are things that can happen in the room, in the venue where the show is taking place, that can detract, that they can add to the uh, quality of the show being diminished. And you can overcome one or two of those things. Again, I've been, I've got enough experience that if the sound system is off, I can overcome that. If the audience is distracted uh, and unruly, I can overcome that. If there are, uh, if, if the the lineup of the show and or the setup of the show is sort of chaotic. Um, there's not a good MC. I can overcome that. But when all of those factors come together in the same show, it creates sort of the perfect storm. Uh, it creates this disastrous environment. And I just can't overcome all of it. I can't overcome everything. Mm. I can overcome one thing or two things. And so what happened is there was a, uh, there's an expectation. I was thinking about this, uh, yesterday that if, if, the, the person who is running the show, what we'll call them the MC, we'll call them the host, whatever you want to call them, the person who's, who's basically in charge of keeping the show running is an extremely important person. 
Um, and, and a lot of times you don't realize you don't realize how important that person is or how good that person is because when they're doing their job well, you don't even think about them. You know, when the MC, when the showrunner is doing their job well, you don't notice it. You don't go, wow, he's doing a great job of keeping the show on track. But when that person is not existent <laughs> or, uh, or not doing a good job, then you go, man, this show is, is not very good and you don't even know why. Mm-hmm. But what the showrunner does, what the MC does, is he basically focuses the audience. And he says the all-important thing to the audience, which is the show is about to start, so you guys need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a person doing that simple thing, then the audience never dials in. And so I went, I got up on stage and started to do my show, and it was like, it was like doing a show at Applebee's. Mm-hmm. You know, or like nobody said anything. The people were having their conversations, which isn't, bad there's nothing wrong with having conversations unless there's a comic trying to do a set up on the stage right i had a experience a few years ago at a ministry conference and i was doing what they what they called an afterglow they called it the afterglow Uh not my favorite uh way of describing what i do but that was what they did Mm -hmm. and so the last session of the ministry conference was winding up and I was they were going to take like 10 minutes and then I was going to do a set after that and so this is what they said well guys it's been a great it's been a great first day uh lots of lots of good teaching lots of good fellowship uh most of you are probably pretty tired and we want to encourage you to go back to your rooms get a good night's sleep because tomorrow's going to be another big day and uh, you're not going to want to be dragged out but if you want to stay up later we have a comedian coming up in 10 minutes and what happened was the room emptied out. There was like 600 people in there prior to that announcement. Mm-hmm. After that announcement, everybody left. And there were eight people left in the room for oh. me to do a set with. Fun. And that's the, that, that's the uh, what happens to expectations. There's an expectation that you have to build in an audience. You have, to, you have to instill in them that what's about to happen is a thing that is worthy of your attention. And there are numbers of ways to do that. But if you don't do that, then they never get the clue that we're supposed to, to dial in here. If you don't tell them specifically, hey, we know you might be tired, but it would be worth your while to stay up late and participate in this, this afterglow. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> But that didn't happen. And so... Uh, do you the, want me to play a sound effect for you? Do, do you have an appropriate one? The appropriate one. Good grief. <laughs> yeah. So we're so, waiting for so the... the good side of... Yeah, we're waiting for the silver lining here. Well, the silver lining of it is... And this is going to... This may be difficult... Uh, for Carl to believe, unless Carl is also a a person who's in show business, but there's a it, it was actually kind of fun to do shows that are that disastrous. I was up on the stage and I was fully aware that things were not going very well, and then it just got to be funny for me because I was like. There's okay. I've got a certain amount of time I have to do. There's nothing I can do to salvage this show. It's not going to. It's not going to go well. And so the fact that I have to march through and do my time anyway just struck me as funny. 
And so what I would do is I picked out a person near the front who looked like they were kind of trying to stay engaged and I just talked to them and I just ignored the rest of the room. I would occasionally cast my eyes around to make them think that I was trying to engage them, but I wasn't mm. because they were, it was like a bingo parlor. It was, it was not a bingo parlor. Bingo, people pay attention. It was like a, it was like Applebee's. It was like going into Applebee's. They were pretending to pay attention. Yeah, That's what I do on. when you're talking on the podcast. <laughs> right now I'm thinking, what is that noise behind me? And I'm going to have to get up and go look again. See, maybe that's why, maybe that's why I'm so used to it. She's literally getting up and leaving now, look. Carl. Uh, maybe that's why I do so well in bad shows is because I'm used to, I'm used to talking to you and you pay no attention to what I'm doing. So when I stand up in front of a group of people who are also paying no attention to what I'm doing, it's not that much different from what I experience every single week on this podcast. There just happens to be more people simultaneously ignoring me. And what difference does it make? Well, Whether you're ignored by one or if your audience is one and you're being ignored or if your audience is 500 and you're being ignored, it's I think it's, there's a matter. difference between, for me, there's a difference being ignored by one kid versus all four kids because that's kind of what we've been struggling with today. Just that you were here this morning with them. I was. So I blame you because mm -hmm. your presence has caused them to forget how to do well, school. Well, that's true. When I come in, they, they know, okay, grandpa doesn't know what's up. He, he's not down with all of the rules and the regulations. And so yeah. they try stuff with me. Is it okay if I get my tablet down? And I, it's like, no, because I'm, I'm hip to the whole tablet mojo now. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't at first. And they still try they still try to pull stuff over on me. And now I'm actually suspicious enough that when they ask me anything, I usually say no because I assume that they're trying to take advantage of my ignorance. Yeah. And then you ask them stuff like, did you finish this or did you finish that? And they lie to me. And they say yes. And that was not the case, which is a serious thing. And that's something that we have to work on. And... Yeah, we didn't get any emails this week from mothers who have been there and successfully raised any children. So I'm just descending further and further into the into depths despair. of despair that yeah, that it's not possible it to raise well-mannered children. You can't raise who actually children. tell the truth. If you haven't heard from anybody, we did hear from somebody though today or not today, but I didn't earlier. see it. I know. Uh uh, I'm 37 years old. My wife and I have been married for 11 years. Before we were married, my concern about birthdays registered about a one on the Richter scale. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize that the Richter scale would measure your enthusiasm for birthdays. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't heard like a birthday of seismic proportions right. before? No, I have Like a bash. They're called a bash sometimes. A bash of seismic proportions? Well, a bash. That registers on the Richter it's scale? It's bash hard enough. Yeah. It's like either a... It's either an earthquake or a celebration. Right. Or my kid jumping up and down when the cake comes out and it's time yeah. to blow out the candles. Yeah. That's one was. of those. Uh, for the last 11 years, my wife has decorated our house to the nines for my and my daughter on every single birthday. The result has essentially been the same depth of transformation as Ebenezer Scrooge on Christmas as, Day. As who? Ebenezer. My, my uh, six-year-old is now calling for me. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to pause it. How do I pause it? Hold it down until it turns on. Hold it down. All right, here's the thing, Carl. She's still uh, dealing with Emery. When she gets back, we're going to talk about that. But uh, the, the email about birthday celebrations, 
is uh, is spot on. Now we now we all participate in hours of birthday decorations for one another, and it leads to so much joy and laughter. <clears throat> Thirty seven, but birthdays are more fun now than when I was seven. And then there's a picture. Uh, picture. I almost said picture. Picture. There's a picture attached, and it's uh, a lavishly decorated room with the uh, streamers and some lights and uh it, it's it's just great and we talked about how important it is to have rituals and you know, practices things that you uh, traditions things that you look forward to even if they're even if they're maybe silly or a garish or uh even if even if you don't continue them you know, for the rest of your life, it's important to have something that you look forward to. But the idea of, of taking a 37-year-old and having the whole family just get crazy uh, celebrating a birthday is the sort of stuff that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. And so thanks for that email. Carl. Thanks for that email, Carl. Thanks, Carl. Yeah, thanks for letting us uh, letting us share that little moment. And good for you. Good for you for being a little bit crazy about uh about grown-up birthdays you know when a 37 year old acts like a seven-year-old at his birthday or her birthday that's not a bad thing well if it's a jolly seven-year-old who's enthusiastic and well that was why i wanted to go ahead and finish that i wanted to finish the thought about the birthdays because you said something uh we're just not having not having a great day here again (laughs) today and we we have to do a podcast despite not having a good day. And honestly, the reason we started this podcast was so we could have honest, real conversations and let Carl listen in. So what do you want to talk about today? Oh, I don't want to talk. <clears throat> I wish we could just what yuck you, it up. <laughs> what are you What are you going to talk about despite the fact that you don't want to talk about it? I, I think we have to talk about feelings and, and raising kids and and how to help with bad attitudes and you know, all of that. But I feel like we talked about that a little bit last week already. I don't know. Did we, we kind of did because I asked for emails. Well, we kind of do because this is where you're at. There, we're in a season at yes. this household and the podcast does not exist in a bubble. It exists in, in the context of your life and my life. And so that's what's going on Yeah, in your life right now. It, it, Colin is sitting in front of me right now. I see that. He obviously wants to say something. What do you need to say? You can't whisper because then I can't hear you. What? Oh, my goodness. He just pantomimed like a weight. He comes like over. Pause he weight over symbol. And is it like obviously distracting from what's going on? And then when we say, what is it that you want? Then he starts to... Mime. To mime things like he doesn't want to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, he's like covering his mouth and looking ashamed of himself. Like, oh my god. So goodness. he interrupts and then won't tell us why then, he's interrupted because And then he says, wait with his finger. He puts up puts up his hand like just pause for a second and then he brings it out. Uh-huh. Okay. So you ripped the paper. Uh-huh. I don't understand. Colin, can you come here? <laughs> he just ran to get another prop. Uh-huh. I don't know why he's why he, we're playing why he's I don't know what that means. It's like charades. He's what does Colin want? You ripped the paper. You wanted to show me that you ripped a paper by mistake from your notebook. 
Okay, it's fine. Just get out a new one. Get a get a nice clean sheet of paper that's I not ripped. Need it. Okay, why are you interrupting the podcast to tell me that you've got a ripped paper you don't need? You're done? Oh, the paper said done on it? I couldn't see that. Uh, okay. The ripped paper did say it said something on it now that I now that I think back. Okay. Well, I will I will go and look later, but I can't look right at this moment and I don't I don't know whether I can even believe that that's true right. because sometimes often sometimes college says things that are not true so to avoid having to sit any longer and do the things he's supposed to do. He's very enthusiastic when he when he envisions when he is done and so then sometimes he jumps ahead there in his imagination and, and does not realize that in reality that he has he's not done that so. in real life as silas would say uh, and so it's it's compounded you know all of these issues are compounded by the fact that i know my attitude is not sorted out like i know i'm not in a good place i've got serious mood swings i've got problems sleeping that i've told carl about last night was Probably the worst night I've had in two and a half weeks or more. Um, and today we're doing a podcast. We're doing a podcast. Yep. Just for honesty's sake, to full disclosure, this is what we would be talking about if Carl wasn't here. Right. So here's what we're talking about at the table today. And so how do I reasonably parent? You know, how do I, how do I keep my composure? How do I not throw a fit and scream and cry because I'm tired I mean, I, nothing that I'm accomplishing right now and nothing that I've been accomplishing for a long time has been by my own power. Like there's, there's just nothing but grace for anything that I've managed to actually pull off right lately. And isn't, but isn't that, isn't that true even when we feel great? Yes. Isn't it, uh, isn't it all by God's grace that we are able to get up in the morning and we experience consciousness yeah. and everything after that. It is, is true even when I feel great. And that is why I would like to get back to the to place where I feel okay and I can also be grateful so for God's providence. If you're going to give God the credit for all of it, it would be better to from your perspective to feel it. good about it. Yeah, and not like I'm like my head's in a bubble and I'm you know underwater and I'm having to like squint and think really hard just to make... Uh, connections in my head. Um, well, there is a relentless. Uh, what's the word? There's a there's a there's a sameness and a, and a drudgery and a a. a oh, drudgery is a good word. You, where you just repeat yourself over and over and over and over, and over and over and over and over and over and then yeah. and then you wind up right back where you started and yeah. with with in this case. Crying children today, children who have who have dumped a gallon and a half of ketchup onto their chicken, mm -hmm. and then and then said it was gross, and, and then just eat. refused to eat it, yeah. and uh, and had. There's just a lot of emotions. There's I don't. A lot I don't want to air anyone's dirty laundry. Emotions. You know, I'm not trying to like to like frame my kids or shame my kids and 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 talk about how woe is me, how bad my life is, because I do think that this is. Standard, like the logical side of that's me why we're talking about it. That there are other people going through the same kind of thing, right? But yeah, I just I, it feels like my own physical struggles on top of all of that just is unfair. Like it just feels like it's that much more, you know, 
overwhelming or too much to deal with. And so that's, that's where I've been for a long time now where I will have a couple of good days and it's kind of like, you know, oh my goodness, this, this is what I've been trying to get back to. Like, yes, my kids have problems. We all have problems, but there's all the time in the world to address them. Like I know how to handle this. I can, I can keep repeating myself and I'll be okay. Mm. And there's other days where I'm like, I am going to lose it if I have to repeat myself one more time. And I don't know what to do. Like I was saying to you in the break time, I don't know what to challenge and what not to challenge now. Like which attitudes to correct and which not, because there's just right. so well, specifically much. there's a, there's a standing rule that you're not supposed to, to say, mommy, mommy, you're not, it's not supposed, supposed to be whine. whining. And you're not supposed to say, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to is not a phrase that the children are allowed to use because, because it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter whether you want to do it or not. Right. And so, so Emmy is pushing that envelope today and she knows that she knows that we're trying to podcast. And so she's out there saying all of the things that she's not supposed to say. Right. And your dilemma is, okay, do I, do I, let her get away with sticking her toe over the line or do I bring the hammer down like we did yesterday and we had 90 minutes it of was an hour and a half uproar of oh yeah I mean it was hysteria mm-hmm. crying and and hiccuping and tears everywhere and right it just never seemed like it was gonna end well the thing that occurred to me when you guys were little uh and and doing some of this stuff was the the thing about children is children have a much more open schedule than their parents and teachers and and, and, and adults you know their their general caregivers and guardians have to do a lot of grown-up things they have a lot of responsibilities whereas children all they they can dedicate themselves completely to not eating the chicken on their plate mm-hmm. that's all they have to do and and they don't suffer any sort of anxiety or fear they never they're never like well gosh if i spend if i spend four hours fighting about eating chicken i'm not going to be able to do such and so they don't they don't care about any of that stuff they are completely dedicated to whatever disobedience they have set their hearts to doing right well and one of the things that i've been told by by some expert parenting advice books you know and gurus is that arguments like this fights like this meltdowns like this happen less when you're able to meet your children's needs in between, like in the downtime, you know, if you're able to, to have some scheduled fun time and you're able to give lots of hugs and kisses and lots of encouragement, then, you know, they won't feel the need to act out quite so much. And the truth is that some of my children more than others do crave attention, any kind of attention. Like they just want somebody to look at them and they don't care if they're being looked at with, you know, disapproval or with frustration mm-hmm. they're like it's better than being ignored i would rather have you in the room looking at me while i scream and cry than not have you in the room while i do this by myself right peacefully you know right and so yeah i'm just i just have a whole lot of questions questioning everything so your question is do i do i give them what they want or give them the attention that when they're seeking it negatively in hopes of redirecting that or do I not do that and then struggle with well am I actually making this worse by right. not giving them the attention that they see well because they are 
Because they're continuing to get away with it. Like they're getting away with disrespect. And so, yeah, do you confront? Do you do you let go? And everybody I've ever heard from is like, well, it's a balance. You know, you've got to... You've got to give grace. You've got to give structure and boundaries, and you've got to be consistent, but you also have got to give them grace and don't crack down on everything because then the kids aren't going to want to come back around to a home that's constantly full of strife and frustration and argument. And I'm like, that kind of describes the home of mine today. Like (laughs) constant one battle after another. And I've heard from others that that's, there are some days that are like that. But yeah, in the middle of a day that's just like that, it seems like it always has been and always will be this much fighting, you know, this much to correct. When you're in the middle of it, it feels like it's never going to end. It's never going to end and it never has been any different. Like there's never been any good times. All we've we've ever done is fight with this child. All we've ever done is bang our heads against it. Any good memories. And we've never got any schoolwork done. We've never, I haven't taught them anything ever. Right. Ever, And then, ever. because I'm the way that I am, because I'm neurotic, then I remember actual, objective, tangible things that I have taught them. And I'm able to point them out to Emmy, for example. I said, you know, you didn't know how to read two vowel words at the beginning of this year, and now you do. Now look at you. And then I'm like, ugh, it didn't help much. Like, I still, I don't want to just as much as she doesn't want to, even now. And I'm just, you know, it's like, it's like trudging uphill with cement boots on and an anvil on your head or something <laughs> all at once well to see you know all of that yes. right you have that in your head but it's not a matter of knowing it it's a matter of feeling it yeah it's mind body connection it's like it's like i if i am my spirit if i am my soul you know my spirit slash soul is doing everything that it can to keep a good God-honoring perspective on all of this. I mean, I genuinely want to glorify Christ and to reflect Christ in my actions, and I'm doing everything that I can to be objective about the situation and to be honest about the situation. But I'm if my body is the vehicle that I've been given to drive around in, you know, on this earth, if that's the only way that I can connect with my kids in this realm and on this planet you know i have to use my body in order Mm -hmm. for my soul slash spirit to connect with my family then i feel like i'm driving around in a junker car like i I feel like i'm having very serious car troubles every other day and so there's another handicap on top of that right so and i told luke today i'm struggling because i'm not usually a name it claim it kind of person i don't believe in jinxes i don't believe in you know in if I say things that are too negative, that that's going to like... That that's going to bring more... That's going to turn luck. the universe against you yeah. and start to bring more negative... But there, but yet, I find myself going, gosh, if, am I bringing this on myself? Like, I feel like I'm in a funk that I just can't, you know, pull myself out of today, in part because I didn't sleep last night for more than like two or three hours. So I right. feel exhausted. But my body is also still revved up with stress stress hormones and you know my heart rate's sporadic erratic and all out of whack and and i feel you know sick i feel anxious right it's it's a feeling yeah it's a feeling and the what is what's unsettling to you because i think it would be unsettling to me is that you've always had a kind of a 
confidence in your ability to mind over matter. You know, if, yeah. if you can just get your head thinking the right thoughts in the right way, then your body will gravitate towards. Right. Well, the, I do believe that we are essentially our spirits. Like I believe that we are essentially souls. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's very disconcerting that, you know, I can't just pray or be in a, in a good fellowship with God and have that be enough. Like that's, that's where it starts to throw you for a loop because you start to question, like, am I doing something? Am I being punished for something? You know, am I being, am I being tested, but not just for, for my good and not for endurance purposes, not for, for, you know, something that I can consider joy because when you face trials, then it leads to, you know, it leads to uh, endurance and what is it? What's the word? Perseverance is the word. I'm like, right. Well, that's, that's what scripture says. So if he, if he is, if he is testing you, it is ultimately for your good. Right. In some manner. I mean, that was, that was true even back in the old Testament when God said to his his beloved people, I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to break you. I'm going, your bodies are going to be piled up, but it's all for uh, ultimately right. for but your good because I care about it's you. It's C.S. Lewis's quote, I think C.S. Lewis, who's saying it's not necessarily that I'm doubting the goodness part. I'm just really afraid of how painful, how bad it's going to be, how right. painful the good thing is going to be because yeah. it's been super painful so far. I mean, it's been really, really hard. Worse than when Colin was a baby, which up till this point has been was the, the thing that I point to. Life. Like I would always point back to that season and say, yeah, that was when I was tried by fire and didn't think I was going to make it and didn't think anything was ever going to be okay again. And then here I am. Here's my success story. Everyone listen to my testimony. Let me encourage you. Let me tell you from personal experience that I know for sure that if you just hang on that, Things can get better. They will get better. And, you know, act in faith and, and find out what it is that God's trying to teach you because there are things you can learn even when it's painful. I'm glad I went through it. Like I've said all of that on this side of recovering from postpartum depression and anxiety. And, and those insomnia. things are still true. Still, still true that I'm glad that I went through it then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I am still having all of those same very raw feelings that I've not been here before. I've never had all of this happen without a baby that went with it, you know. I so I I can't wrap my mind around it. There's no timetable here for when I recover or even if, and that's the hard part. Like it's terrifying to think that this might be the pattern for ever. That's that's where my head is on a bad day. Mm-hmm. Now on a good day, I kind of have the same perspective i'm like oh yeah it's going to be this forever like i'm going to be able to <laughs> to have good days like this forever and that's right. fine and that's positive and i'm okay with that but right. yeah well we, we don't feel uh <laughs> what's the phrase the, the phrase that keeps going through my head is the show must go on but that seems <laughs> that's that what you started very, with. Very trite, and we started out talking about how you had a bad show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for and, you, I, and I can't help it, but that—that's—I'm feeling like that's where my where the conversation is going. Mm-hmm. It's it's back to this: uh, you have to do a thing. You have to do your time, 
and you go and you do your time and you don't want to do your time and apparently they don't want you to do your time and nobody's happy about this right but but you have to do your time and getting the children when you when you bring children into this scenario the children aren't they they haven't internalized the idea that i have to do my time they're, right. they're like if i pitch a big enough fit i won't have to do my time right I, i'll i can i can reform the expectations i can make the universe bend to my will rather than right. the other way are around are you saying if you stay up on stage long enough you can eventually force the audience to laugh is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. Because <laughs> that's kind of where your analogy would have that's to go. That's not what I'm saying. No, I'm saying you have to do your time. That's all I'm saying. Whether the audience laughs and applauds or whether they throw beer bottles at you, you have to do your time. Right, but the thing is, in this case, with a mother, the kids are the audience. And so the, the problem is you're well, trying to get your children slash audience to let you do your time, but your time involves helping them become successful comedians right, in the future. Right, well, you've, quote you've, unquote. you went another layer down well, that's, in the analogy. That's the job. Like, that's the whole point of parenting and raising children is you're trying to teach them. You're trying to get a You're particular trying to teach them, but we have talked before about how that it is impossible to force anybody to learn right. something. Right, I know. And that's, you know, that's why I've been saying that I would love to hear more encouragement from people who have had success stories after, you know, after just relentlessly um, drilling, well, I have had kids. a I had a success story. Did you? I raised a daughter who is I did soldiering up under. I didn't do that when I was a kid. We just talked about of, that too. I was never that stubborn when it came to schoolwork. Like I didn't put up that much of a fight and keep getting up from my chair over and over and over and over. And I didn't. I didn't defy authority i was pretty easygoing i was the firstborn rule follower and so yeah anytime somebody said do this or don't do that i'd be like okay and i didn't like it but from the beginning it seems like i knew that fighting That's was true. pointless like that, that was me too i i i don't understand i didn't understand when i was little the the kids around me my friends who would who would back talk at school, you mm -hmm. know, say things to teachers. It was like, what are you even doing? Right. I can't, I can't imagine what would possess being you? sent to the principal's office. I never went to the principal's office. Right. I, I never had to stand in the hallway. Right. I, I never, ever crossed up a, a teacher or a parent or yep. anybody. Me neither. But so far, every single one of my children has gotten into some sort of a disciplinary problem at a place that wasn't home and mm -hmm. at home, obviously, but like, church ymca child watch they all do it sometimes and i don't know to what extent it's different styles of authority from the caregivers there and how much is my children's personalities and how much is just me completely doing everything wrong all the time and i need to fix <laughs> you know i just need to fix it yeah uh-huh that's that's kind of where we are. And I mean, the conclusion of the story yesterday that I'm feeling the prompting of the Holy Spirit to share because in the interest of honesty, I have to tell the whole truth and not just the part that my feelings want to tell. Well, we're talking to our tribe here. But but at the end of the 90-minute meltdown, I was given an apology. Sorry, Mommy. And a hug. And I said, I forgive you. And at, the, at dinner, at the family movie, during bath time, everything, she was good as gold. She was obviously trying, you know, to, to straighten up and to not have to go down that road again. Was mm -hmm. was, you know, 
cheerful and happy. It was like she was thrilled that that I didn't allow her to be monstrous without consequences. You think that she was feeling, uh, probably not conscious of it, but you think she was feeling some some joy at having discovered a boundary that yeah, she couldn't I think she, cross? I think it's security. I think that I think that the things that I was telling her during the whole ordeal were finally starting to connect with her mind to body. Like, mm-hmm. I think it went, she heard me and understood what I was saying from the beginning, but I think it finally reached her heart. And she thought, yeah, mommy's on my team trying to help me get control of my emotional horses because it's not fun for any of us, myself included, when... You know, I go galloping I away on a big emotional storm. And that's great. Like, it, it really is great. I'm just, there's a big part of me that's, I guess, jealous, <laughs> envious maybe, that that she was able to make that connection last night. And I wasn't. That, like, my, my body still didn't cooperate because this was last night before I had a really awful night. And I could tell just the stress level was through the roof and I did not feel particularly you didn't relaxed sleep last and night. sleepy right. and I could already tell. And so I did my best to parent Emery the way that I believe I would do if I felt right, you mm-hmm. know, if I felt well, right. I, I you did your time. That's I, what right. I cuddled her saying. and I gave her a bath and I smiled at her silliness when she was telling jokes and gave them kisses and hugs. Good night. Gave them massages before bed. Cause that's been our thing lately. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that physical touch is helpful for some people as much as I don't necessarily like it myself. Colin likes it. Oh, yes. Colin likes to be yeah. crushed and So I did all of that stuff. And it's like, okay, this is all stuff that I should be proud of. Or maybe proud is the wrong word. but No, like, it's not. I get what you're saying. I should feel a you're certain... You're doing your time. I should feel a certain satisfaction. Right. You're yeah. doing what you're supposed to do. Right. And you're not feeling better for having done it right. which makes it which, which makes it even harder it's hard to feel bad anyway right but to feel bad even while you're doing what's right knowing that you're doing the right thing right. and feeling bad afterwards it's hard it's, not to start questioning that it is in fact the right thing right it's hard not to start asking because if it was the right thing i should feel better how can i avoid booking these crappy shows in the first place you right. know or yeah which is what I thought we were going to talk about. But. Or asking how long until I get to have another show. How long until there's an actual that, decent. That I, get, that I get to enjoy, you know. Right. All right. Well, to keep the show analogy going, there are most of the shows that I do now. I was talking to Carl about this before you were in the room while you were out running around being a mom. Uh, yeah. That most of the shows I do are just from my perspective, they're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't come home and, and just joyfully explain to my family, Oh, here's, here's what happened at the show because it's just another day at the office. Right. And I, I know that that may be, that may seem a little aloof and disconnected, but, but it is, I don't, it, it's, it's just what I do. And so when, when a show goes really, really well, it's actually kind of unusual. It's a little out of the norm to have a sh- when I come off the stage and go, "Wow, that was a really strong show." Right. Um, and that doesn't have anything to do with me, really. Just like the, 
just like the really bad shows don't have that much to do with me. There are certain things that are just outside of my control. Right. And the way an audience reacts to the show and the way that the all of the other ancillary details of that show are outside of my control. Mm-hmm. So when things go really, really well, I don't, I also don't come home and, and tell everybody about how awesome the show was. Mm-hmm. And when things go really, really bad, I tend to talk about those shows just because there is something about the the bad shows that's more interesting to talk about, and yeah. we can and we can laugh about it, and we do laugh about interesting. it. Interesting. So tell me, if you had a really really bad show like three nights a week since getting COVID in December, mm-hmm. what would you do? Well, that's where the illustration is probably going to break down. <laughs> yeah, because uh, because uh, again, we're talking about your physical. We're talking about physical things in the way you actually feel. And I feel really good when I get to gripe about how bad a show is. Right. You know? And there have been times where I felt really good sharing, you know, stories of a really long knockdown drag out fight that ended with ultimately a changed attitude. Like right. that should be encouraging. I'm right. aware of that. Something's going on though that's disconnecting. That's it so you don't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if there, uh, well, again, we'll repeat it. If there's anybody out there who has stories of success for, uh, you know, you've raised your children and you remember feeling like it was all going to be a big waste of time and it turns out you were wrong, that they uh, it turned out okay, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, also, Thursday's podcast is going to be a little different than we've normally done. We're going to do... we got to wrap this up. We're going to do clips from the uh, Starving Comics Quarantine Show because it's uh, because it's funny. So look out for that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time. 